Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is Jessica Aries. Jessica, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. This has been on the calendar for quite a bit, so this day um, has finally come. And I'm excited to get to know you a little better. So with that said, why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Jessica Aries. Um, I live in Austin, Texas, and I am first and foremost um, someone who spends all of her time in the legal profession. Um, I start off my career um, going to law school, doing the whole JD LLM thing, and migrated over to a legal marketing career that was quite some time I spent quite some time in legal marketing and then became a law firm executive doing um, all kinds of operations, executive director type role, um, handling HR, accounting, all kinds of information, IT, uh, processes improvements, all of that for law firms. So I've spent my, it's what now, I guess I graduated from law school now almost 10 years ago and I've spent my entire career in legal but never as an actual practicing attorney. So <laughs> it's a super interesting life I lead. Um, and I am a recent mom. I have a four month old. Uh, so very exciting to give birth during COVID. <laughs> wow. Or in the midst of it, yes. And- um, you really quickly about your, yes. uh, before we move on. So I think the things that you're learning in your day-to-day -day application, in your day-to-day -day job, are things that they don't teach in law school. Don't you wish that they would teach you some of the things you do as a, an administrator and a marketer? Uh, don't you think they would teach some of that in law school? Of course. Um, you know, so much of actually practicing law is managing a law practice, and they really don't spend any of that time discussing that at all, really, in law school. And in fact, the most business education I received was actually writing for various blogs and learning how to market myself when I was in law school. So it's ironic that the, the actual the business training I received was actually kind of ad hoc, you know, yeah. in addition to, to, to law school. Yeah. I definitely wish they would at least teach you how billable hour works and profitability modeling and all kinds of information like that in law school. And they don't, they spend very, no, no, no time at all on that. So it's all I focused on the law and actually being a practitioner. Yeah, I see you as someone who could actually teach that to law school students. Not that you don't have a full plate already. Speaking of which, tell <laughs> us about your baby. So that's adorable and yes. interesting. What is your baby's name? Her name is Aurora, and I actually oh, have beautiful. a kind of an interesting story behind that. So my husband and I did IVF, uh, donor egg IVF, actually, in Spain to have our baby. So we went all the way to Spain back in, let's see, May of last year, and uh, did the whole fertility journey process in Spain, ate ice cream on the beach, hoped that she would take, and she did. And nine months later, we had a baby in February, right? before wow. COVID. Oh, yes. Sorry. Oh my God. That is so beautiful. Now people know that, you know, so my son, my husband adopted my son. I had divorced and fought for sole custody and won. Um, I think people who do what you, you did and what my husband did um, to choose 
uh, you know, to bring other people into your life, to, to have the child that you were meant to have. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. What a great journey. You should, I don't know if you have or not, maybe you have, but you should write about that. Um, yes, uh, I can I imagine a lot of people <laughs> loving that story. That is remarkable. I'm so touched. Oh my God. Well, Aurora is one lucky baby to have you as a mom. I know that for sure. She's She's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So we, we chose her name because it meant, it means new dawn in, in English or Latin. It means new dawn. And this was a new chapter of our, our life after long fertility battle for multiple years, um, struggling with that. So it felt like a new chapter of our life and she needed a name that was appropriate for that. So her name is Aurora and it translates well in Spanish, which we like since we went to Spain to get her. So what a story. I can't wait till she's older and can hear this podcast and hear you. You know, I can feel your, you know, smiling through the, the, just your tone of voice that, yes. you know, it's so yes. wonderful. This is great. And what a beautiful name. I can't wait to meet her or at least see pictures of her perhaps in our blog. Um, well, let me yeah, ask you this. She's wonderful. Tell me a little bit about, I know that you have a long journey to go. You have so much to offer the world. You do a lot already and there's more to come. But what has been your proudest professional accomplishment to date? I think, um, wow, so many. <laughs> I'm trying Good. to think, uh, to date, Today, I think, um, well, so I don't know that everyone's familiar with this on the podcast, but I was furloughed very briefly <laughs> um, due to COVID. And I think what has really defined motherhood for me is resilience and the fact that when someone tells you, hey, you're no longer going to have a job, you don't really have the luxury of, of um being particular or being, you have a baby to feed. And at that point in my life, when I was being furloughed, I think something that made me very proud professionally is that I didn't let it, it rock the core of my being. I took it in stride. I listened, heard what was happening, heard what was happening within our industry, saw what was happening in COVID. And instead of letting it beat me up, I tried to make opportunities for myself. And so I think that in and of itself is one of my proudest moments. And I don't know that I would have been able to get there if it wasn't for the fact that I was a mother going through COVID, going through being furloughed, going through the fact that my potential income source was drying up. Um, so for me, that was one of, I think, my most proudest professional moments that probably wouldn't have come without being a mother. So um, it's ironic because they always say when you become a mother, you become kind of more risk averse. You're very protective of your child, but the opposite is true too. You become very fiercely protective of that child and their well-being. And after you've been through the journey that I've been to get her, you can't even imagine the idea of not being able to provide for her. And so the resilience that I developed as a result of becoming a mother, that's one of the most proudest professional things that I've accomplished to date. I love the way you weave your whole self into your life, regardless of whether you're focused on work or home, because that is how we are. We really need to stop this myth that we're one person from nine to five and another after five. I love that you said that you are a fierce mother. I'll tell you, I'm a mama bear as well. And everyone who knows me knows that. My, my son tells me it's time to let it go, but you never do. You never let it go. Um, your way of telling this story is beautiful, but I'm going to tell my version of the same story. 
your behavior after you were furloughed and your choice to market yourself via social media was one of the most courageous actions and you did it with grit and grace one of the most courageous actions i had seen and i was so you know in my head going go girl look at you go <laughs> that is amazing i was so impressed and i think that's what made us connect um, we had known each other peripherally and through social mm -hmm. but i really felt a connection with that empowered woman who put herself out on social and just shared the facts and said, this is life, here I am, here are my skills, hire me. And if you would like to tell the um, happy ending to that story, I would love yes. for you to share it. Yeah, so not only um, did I get lots of opportunities as a result of putting myself out there on social media, I, I basically, just for anyone who is not aware, I made it, I went into Canva, which is a online kind of graphics tool. I made a graphic with my headshot and I put basically I'm a furloughed COVID-19 job seeker and here are my skills and let me know if I can help you. Um, and so I put down the skills that I have as a legal marketer and uh, my background, my experience, the fact that I've worked with law firms for eight years, almost yeah, nine years almost now. Um, and as a result, I not only had a plethora of opportunities come my way, people literally putting their their email addresses and phone numbers in the, the comments section, but my boss actually called me and told me to come back 48 hours later. <laughs> Yay! So, that is, yes. So there are elements to your story that are nothing shy of remarkable. One is the courage it took for you to do what you did. Two is that you did it so beautifully. It was quite an attractive post. It told me everything I needed to know about you. It actually made me like you without knowing you. And then third and most remarkable of all, your boss called you 48 hours and said, come back. I think the fact <laughs> yes. that he or she, I think it's a he, right? Your boss? It's a he, yes. Yeah. So the yes. fact that he saw all how you know popular you are and, and it, you became uh, a precious gem versus a commodity and he saw all these people willing to support you not just support you but hire you and said i can't lose her she's amazing i thought that was such a great journey and you handled it so beautifully i've never heard of anything like this and i've been around i'm 53 i've been a professional since i was 19 so uh incredible work good job mom thank you <laughs> thank you it's amazing the um, stuff you'll do when you know your kids' well-being is, is dependent upon it. Well, and I think it's also a testament to the amazing network uh, that I, I mean, I've been very involved in the Legal Marketing Association for many, many years and um, have been in several leadership roles and several, you know, always try to, to think about those relationships as give more than you expect to receive as we tell our attorneys in legal marketing. And so I've always tried to give more and my network showed up when I needed them. And I think that's a true testament to the wonderful community of legal marketers that I know and that I've had the opportunity to you know, work with in, in LMA and, and elsewhere. So it's, it's a beautiful story and it's, it's a happy story and I'm, I'm glad to share it. I'm glad it ended up the way it did, um, yes. but it was definitely very nerve wracking at the time. I remember as I was preparing to put up that post, I was like telling my husband, okay, I'm going to hit post. And he was like, okay, hit post. And I was like, okay, here it goes. <laughs> Ready to launch. Yeah. Yes. Just say one thing. Um, every organization has its element of the bad eggs or bad apples, but my mm. experience over the 
more than 18 years that I've been involved with legal marketing. And I too was, you know, moving up there before it became regionalized as it is now. I will say that when I needed help most, they were there for me. Uh, Helped me raise about $5,000 to put my mother who has Alzheimer's into a facility where although I can handle her monthly, you know, costs and, Mm -hmm. and such, the upfront, you know, they make you to, they make you pay more upfront to get in there. And I just couldn't do it. And they came through for me and someone, you know, we, we, I guess it's crowdsourcing or crowdfunding or yeah. that's mm-hmm. what it was. And I will never forget that. So yeah, a little shout out to LMA. I have a lot of beautiful close lifetime, lifelong friends there. Um, so good that you mentioned them. Let mm-hmm. me ask you this. Um, you're clearly inspirational. Just your story is quite moving. And I know you have a long career ahead of you, uh, but you've probably already moved many people. Let me ask you who moved you. Who was your inspiration or mentor along the way? I think it's always the first person who um, you see who believes in you. And for for me, that was my mom, you know, it sounds cheesy. It sounds typical, but uh, I was raised by a single parent. So my, my dad left split when I was very, very young and my mom went back to school while raising me and working full time and got her MBA. And my grandparents were um, very much in the picture, helping to kind of co-raise me in the moments when my mom needed to go to night classes and after she got off work and needed to put dinner on the table and she would, you know, rock me in the crib while studying for her next exam and writing her papers. So I think um, someone who would make those kinds of sacrifices um, for the betterment of you is, it has to be your inspiration. <laughs> and, that, and that's definitely my mom. She's always been my biggest cheerleader, always told me no matter what, you know, I can and am able to do whatever I want to do as long as I'm willing to um, be positive and kind to others and pay it forward when I get opportunity to. So definitely my mom. That's so sweet. That's so beautiful. So, um, my son hopefully will say the same thing about me that you just said about your mother someday because our situation was similar. But um, I think it's really great that you, you know, a lot of people say their parents, but you really drill down as to why. And that was really great. I'm sure when your mom hears this, she'll be thrilled. Um, hi, mom. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sure she'll listen to it and be like, oh, I mean, although I think everyone knows this about her, anyone who's ever met her. My mom's um, an executive at Dell. So anyone who knows her can totally see that that would be my response to this just because they know the sacrifices and the journey she was on to basically get me to where I am, whether it be putting me through law school and um, supporting me through all kinds of things, including my own fertility journey. So uh, she's definitely someone from a professional standpoint that I can admire because she is the type of woman who works really hard and has made her own path in life and somehow managed to be a mom and do that, which is incredible to me. So, well, Jessica, it sounds like your mom needs to be a guest on the wonder woman in business podcast. (laughs) She is a wonder woman. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I would welcome her to the show. Let me ask you, um, every day we can do something different. We can stop gossip. We can be kind. We can mm. pay it forward either, you know, without needing to get credit or, you know, there are things that we can do to lift other women up rather than put them down, which is far too common. Women need to remember that competition is no longer the name of the game and never should have been. 
it's collaboration. So what do you believe we can do to support other women in business? So many things, but I think it starts with looking at our younger women and um, giving them that same, those who maybe don't have the opportunity to have a mom like I had, um, who will support them and help usher them through their journey, you know, through their, whatever that path may be, um, helping them to feel empowered and confident in the decisions they're making and not to question um, and not to feel intimidated by the idea of being assertive, especially in front of male colleagues, um, that assertiveness is not akin to the B word, that assertiveness is just um, knowing who you are and being confident in what you're saying and not feeling like uh, you should be meek or sit in the corner or be the person taking notes or the person serving tea. Uh, that was actually something my mom had to do. It was one of her first jobs was after getting her uh, college degree was to serve tea to businessmen. So <laughs> she taught me very young, don't ever be the woman serving tea. Have more, um, more confidence and have something to say when you walk into a room. Don't let them put you in that position. So um, I've always operated from the place of um, how can I bring other women along with me as well as how can I mentor and help others? Um, I'm, I'm Latina. So in my experience, I have seen many Latina women who are looking to build their careers and, and grow professionally who don't always have Latina mentors to look up to. So I'm always looking for opportunities to mentor those who may be looking to grow in legal marketing or grow in the legal field or the legal industry, as well as looking for my own mentors. Um, maybe they don't always come from the same background or have the same experiences, but what can I learn from them and how can I grow? So I think really supporting other women in business starts with mentorship and being allies to each other. Uh, so that's where I, what I would say. Platinum star. You get a platinum star, not just gold star. <laughs> yay, again, yay, mom, but yay, you. So you just covered a lot of the four most common biases that women face in the workplace without um, sounding sterile or too technical or trainer-like. You told a story of the problems we face. I love that you tapped into that. No more office housework. Let's not, you know, if I say something that a man would say and get promoted for it, why am I being you know, called the B word for saying the same thing. So love that you mentioned a lot of those key points. That's, that's not, this is not one of my classes, but boy, the way you told that story, it could be, I'd love to interject some of these real life examples into my work and say, you know, what Jessica said, <laughs> that. <laughs> so let me ask you, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it, Jessica? I mean, I have challenges or setbacks every day. I think what matters is how you approach those. Do you have a positive attitude or do you let it defeat you, right? Um, I mean, so many times. I mean, I, I thought that um, my infertility journey was going to break me. And I thought it was going to break my marriage. I thought it was going to break me financially. I thought it was going to break me even professionally because I couldn't focus on work because I was, you know, completely consumed with the idea of having a child and not being able to. So um, I think the difference is, is that I got a really great counselor <laughs> who helped me work through that, a therapist who became my ally in the conversation, who became my partner in the conversation and helping me work through those things. And um, I did something about it. I didn't let it defeat me. Um, so I think that um, that was one of my greatest challenges I've faced to date. Um, 
just realizing that you want your body to work in a certain way, you're willing it to work in a certain way and it won't. And um, there's a lot of resentment there. There's a lot of um, anger that brews there. There's a lot of mourning that happens when um, you go through a fertility journey like I had with my, my husband and I both had. Um, you know, there were, there were lots of opportunities where things could have just completely gone like completely haywire, right? Like it could have all been over. And instead we both chose to do something about it and to try something different. <laughs> you know, um, too often we see challenges in our lives and we see them as insurmountable, right? Um, or we let them defeat us. And I think, uh, the difference is really how you approach those those situations, those challenges, and how you you learn to overcome them. And they make you better people. They make you stronger. They make you smarter. They give you a shared experience with so many. I remember when I shared my fertility journey with others on Facebook. I've been very open about it um, on Facebook. How many people private messaged me to tell me they were experiencing something similar or had their own journey that they never had disclosed to anyone, and how they just felt. Um, comfortable telling me and thanking me for uh, being so open and honest about something that honestly affects so many couples. Uh, so, and, and even adoption stories, I've had people of, you know, same-sex marriages, all of those types of issues where we don't realize how much goes into adopting a child or to creating this special, unique little child. And um, we don't have enough conversations about it. And I wish we did because it doesn't need to be such a stigma um, but that was definitely one of my, my greatest challenges that I faced to date. At some point in your answering that question, I was welling up with tears and I'm grateful for your courage to share your story. And I agree that it needs to be talked about more, um, <clears throat> you know, embrace vulnerability as a strength and share your journey and share your pain, own your story and connect with others who may or, you know, may be going through the same or similar and be a leader for them in that. Even if things don't turn out the way we hope, it's about the journey, right? So help people get through that. That was beautiful. I'm, I'm so happy to know you. Let me ask you this. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, this is an odd question, but <laughs> okay. people, um, tell me a surprising fact about you, something that maybe your circle doesn't even know surprising fact about me I'm so much of an open book it's gonna oh, be something no. cheesy <laughs> it's gonna be something that's true <laughs> I mean I, I mean I was sharing my whole entire fertility story so and and uh, my furlough I mean I'm not I'm not one for secrets it's gonna be something really cheesy like I'm double jointed in my fingers you know it's like not that exciting <laughs> compared to some of the other things I share so regularly yeah, that's awesome. You know. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Such a cheesy, cheesy thing to share, but that's that's true. I'm double jointed in my fingers. <laughs> Everybody needs, you know, a hero, right? All of you folks out there who are double jointed, and I am too, by the way. We have a new Shiro here in Jessica. <laughs> All right. Well, you're so great. Listen, I'm going to ask you, are you game for the wild card question? Yay or nay? Yay. Let's do it. All righty. So the folks who listen to me regularly know that I have a new portion of the show that's called the wild card question. And I have 144 really thoughtful, meaningful questions, some more so than others. And I pull a card from the box, which I'm doing now. Ah, this is a tough one, I think. 
a topic you have completely changed your mind about? Ooh, politics. I grew up in Texas, so <laughs> um, <laughs> that should say enough, right? I grew up in a pretty conservative Republican, you know, fiscally Republican, fiscally conservative household. So um, yeah, politics have changed a lot for me. I went to UT, the University of Texas at Austin. That changed a lot for me. I went to law school. That changed a lot for me. Um, graduating law school, becoming a, a you know, a, a mother, a parent, all of that. That's, you know, politics have changed a ton for me. But I think that's a, that's a good thing because it means that I was no longer adopting the thought process of those who I was around. I was critically thinking for myself and forming my own opinions and my own ideas. And I think that's, that's the beauty. I think it's when we refuse to hear other people's sides, other people's points of view, um, when we refuse to listen that we, and critically think for that matter, we, we lose the opportunity for meaningful discussion and we lose the opportunity to possibly cross aisles or to build alliances versus burn bridges. So um, yeah, politics for me have changed a ton. And especially right now, I'm, I'm the co-chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee for the Legal Marketing Association. And with everything that's going on in the world right now, um, so much with the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-racism and um, all of that, I am, I am realizing how much I still need to learn and grow. And um, even as a Latina, there are, there's so much that I just have not experienced and have had privileges that um, so many others have. I'm just a privileged person, even being Latina. And I'm realizing that and I'm trying to work on that and grow and um, be open to having more conversations. Well, first of all, let's unpack all of that a little bit. Um, <laughs> that's pretty incredible. I would say that um, I feel you and I understand your journey and how that may have changed. The parties have changed. The Republican Party itself is no longer a uh, fiscally conservative party. Mm -hmm. um, my husband was actually an elected Republican many times in, at the state level and then worked as chief of staff in U.S. Congress at the federal level. Um, he left the party because he says the party has shifted and changed. And so he says the party left him. He didn't leave the party. That's his, his, mm. but I will say I, I am, I'm okay with fiscal conservatism. I miss fiscal conservatism. I am a liberal to moderate Democrat. I was an independent for quite a while, but now under this current administration, I have gone blue, no matter who is what they say, even though it should be whom, you know that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I feel you. I understand what you're saying. I'm glad that you engage in critical thinking. I teach Janice Irving's group think. That's one of the communication mm. that I teach. And when we group think or when we don't listen and we don't think critically, we deny ourselves an opportunity to learn something new and different. So I love this answer. And I love that you, you know, most people take a few seconds to think about the, the question, you know, the wild card question and their answer. But clearly a lot of people can relate to Jessica Aries answer on that because I know a lot of Republicans who are no longer Republicans simply because it doesn't represent the same thing it used to. And without getting too political, they still hold on to those, you know, Reagan Republican core values, et cetera, that aren't evident today in this administration. So that'll be all we say about politics, because those of you who know me know that I can say a whole lot more and probably 
um, get myself into a little, you know, what's politically correct to do on a podcast. I'm not sure, but it's my podcast and I can say what I want, but I love you, Jessica Aries. That was a great answer. Great. (laughs) If people want to know more about this amazing woman, Jessica Aries, how can they reach you? Well, so I have a career strategy and consulting company called byaries.com, B-Y-A-R-I-E-S.com. A-R-I-E-S.com. You can learn more about me there. I write a lot on career strategy and leadership development, and um, I talk a lot about the things that are important to me there. I have a blog, um, and I put out some regular YouTube videos as well on career strategy and growing your career, especially right now in covid that's a hot topic. Uh, so you can check me out there. You can visit me on LinkedIn as well. Um, so yeah, you are one. Oh, oh my, we had a visitor at the door. I apologize. That's okay. We love this. This is the COVID-19 landscape in which we live. My, My cat walked across the other day as he was on a city council meeting that was being filmed live so I get it I get it so in that, in that apologize case, they're still going crazy we will say our goodbyes Jessica <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much Susan I apologize for the dogs <laughs> no worries no worries have a great day bye bye